have a question for you this morning. How many of you think you have a perfect body? Raise your hand. Nobody. Huh. Interesting. Huh. Somebody raise their hand. That's good. One person. So we live in a culture. Don't we live in a culture that focuses on appearance, especially outward appearance? And for decades, if not centuries, women have been told they have to look a certain way, have a certain shape in order to be beautiful. Thankfully, advertising and, and our culture is getting away from that somewhat. But still, most of us don't wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, "Woo, there's a 10, right? In fact, if you're my age, you wake up in the morning, you're just happy you woke up this morning. And you're not so concerned about some of those other details. So why am I talking about our body? Well, because today we're going to finish out a series within a series of all things new by talking about the body part of our life. We talked about the spirit a couple weeks ago and the soul and now the body. And I titled my message, New Body Anyone? And I'm pretty sure all of us would go, sure, I'll have a new body. And we might not want to wait until what I'm talking about today, which is when we die to this life or Jesus comes back and we get a spiritual body. But the thing is, there are many in this culture who focus really exclusively on the physical body. They think this life's all there is, so there's really not much reason to focus on anything else. And you know, there really isn't a reason to not be attentive to our physical bodies because Paul the Apostle reminded us they are the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. So we're supposed to take care of it, but it's not supposed to be the be-all, end-all. Like some people, you know, they want to just keep on living forever. In fact, I'm going to quote a seldom quoted theologian this morning, Woody Allen, who said this, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve immortality through not dying. I don't want to live on in the hearts of my countrymen. I want to live on in my apartment. So, when we focus only on the here and now, we miss out on the promise that Jesus made that he is making all things new. That all things includes the bodies that we have. So, what we're going to do right now is we're going to review very quickly that the very first week of the series, I talked about Jesus' promise. He's coming back and he's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth. That's going to be incredible. Then, Two weeks ago, Pastor Barry presented one of the best messages I've heard on this reality that we're made up of three parts. We're made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body. And he reminded us that our spirits are really dead until the Holy Spirit comes in when we're reborn and we get an enlivened spirit who is attentive to the Holy Spirit. And then that spirit can connect to our uh, soul, which is our mind, emotions, and will, which Pastor Alex did a great job of helping us see how those two can cooperate to help us to glorify God and live meaningful lives. Well, today, I'm going to talk about the body. Before I do that, I want to just remind you of one more thing. Some of you might have thought, well, there's like a body, we know that, but what about spirit, soul? You might not, if you're new here, you might not think there's a d distinction between that, but what Pastor Barry reminded us is the Apostle Paul said there, there is a difference. These scriptural words say, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God made us sort of as a three-part, a tripart being. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body. And as Pastor Barry said a few weeks ago, the body's the easiest one to talk about, right? We can see our body. You can see my body. I can see your body covered up with clothes, but we know we all have a body. And we use our mind, our, 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 we use our body with senses of touch, smell, taste, hear. Uh, what's the other one? Doesn't matter. Um, we have five of them. I only use probably three of them anyway, most of the time. But 
those things to connect with the world around us. And when we think about the body, what we might not realize is that there is something coming that's going to be radically different than this physical body that God gave us. And the reality is when we let this, dictate, this body dictate how we live, we miss out on the experience of living in the, with the Holy Spirit, guiding and empowering not only our spirits, but our souls and our bodies. Some people wake up in the morning, and actually, they don't even wake up in the morning. They go, oh, I don't feel like getting out of bed. They let their, their body say, I'm, I'm not getting up. They get up in the morning, and they go, what am I going to eat? Everything in sight, because that's what my body wants today. Um, and, and, I mean, some people do that, right? And, and coming off a 21-day fast, many of us might be thinking about those kind of things. And right now, what I could do is focus the rest of our time today on these physical bodies and how we can care for them and be good stewards of them, and that would be a helpful thing. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. What we're going to talk about today is those resurrection bodies that Paul the Apostle talked with a group of people in a church in Corinth so long ago. These Corinthian believers came from a culture where nobody believed in one God. Everybody believed in gods, plural, but nobody believed in one God. And Paul came in and told them about this one God who created everything that existed, who sent his only son who came into the earth and lived a perfect life and died on a cross to pay the penalty for human sin, rose from the dead, and is back in heaven right now, but is coming back to establish this new heaven and new earth one day. And you know, some of the Corinthian believers went, I don't think so. I don't think that's what happens at all. In fact, I don't even think there is a resurrection from the dead. So what Paul had done in, the, in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians is he had gone through how he knew there was a resurrection of the dead. We're not going to go through all of that. We're going to pick up about the body in verse 38. But just let me summarize by saying these people said there's no resurrection of the body. And Paul said, wait a minute. More than 500 people saw Jesus alive after he rose from the dead. So how can you say he didn't rise from the dead? And then he said, and guess what? I saw Jesus after he rose from the dead through a vision, and it changed my life. And what Paul didn't realize is it changed history because Paul changed his life because of that change that happened when he had this connection with the resurrected Jesus. So Paul reminded his readers of a powerful truth in verse 19. We're going to look at that one verse before we move on. He said this, And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. You know, we were created for so much more than this life. But if we think this life's all there is, then we're going to fall in one of two ways. We're going to either say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Or else we're going to say, ooh, I better take care of this body, because it's when it's over, it's over. So i got to live as long as I can. You know the Woody Allen thing. I want to keep on living forever. So after Paul establishes the truth of Jesus' resurrection and its implications for all of our lives, he moves on to talking about this new body, when we're going to receive it, what it's going to be like. And what, that's what we're going to talk about today. The take-home point for those of you who um, know what I'm talking about is that one point from Scripture that we're going to talk about and we want to take home today, that's why I call it the take-home point for those who are new, is simply this. New bodies are part of all things becoming new. New bodies are part of all things becoming new. So before we go into the Scripture, this extensive Scripture today, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the bodies we do have. And while they might not work as effectively as we want them to, they're very helpful for living this life. But God, I thank you for the promise 
of new bodies, resurrection bodies, spiritual bodies that will live with you forever. And I pray this day as we turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 38 and following, that what the Apostle Paul says will penetrate deeply into our lives, into our spirits, our souls, and even our bodies so that we can know the reality, the assurance of our faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we start into this passage of Scripture, I have to tell you, the Apostle Paul is not as tactful as he could be right here. I think Paul's done with the Corinthians and their thing about no resurrection and all that. I think by this time he's like had it up to about right here. And so the first thing he says is this, but someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. I picture him writing it that way. Now, Some people say there's no such thing as a stupid question. Apparently, the Apostle Paul thought there was one. In fact, he said, here's a simple answer. The simple answer to the question is this. When you put a seed in the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And when you put it in the ground, what, what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows for each kind of seed. So he puts a little analogy together, an illustration, and he says, when we take a seed and put it in the ground, it's dead, or it dies, and then it somehow comes back to life. And when it comes up through the ground, it doesn't look anything like the seed we planted. Now, I'm not a botanist, and actually, I'm really not much of a gardener, but every year I go out in my backyard and I plant some green beans. And I put those seeds in the ground, and then I go back the next day and see if they came up, and they didn't. And I go back up the next day, and they didn't. The next day, and here in western Pennsylvania, maybe a couple weeks later, you know, finally, this little green thing sprouts through the ground. And that little dead seed, it's sort of usually, the shell is usually hanging onto one of those little green sprouts. But it doesn't look anything like what it looked like when it was dead. And so Paul says, that's one way of thinking about it. And then he says, here's something else. Let's look at it a different way. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly body is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in in their glory. So Paul is saying there are seeds. That's an analogy you can look at. They grow up to be different. There are different kinds of flesh. There's human flesh. There's fish. There's birds, there's animals, and then he says, even in the sky, look out there, they don't all look, everything doesn't look the same, there's the sun, there's the moon, there's the stars, now if you're thinking, well, the sun's a star, well, you get an A in astronomy, and you're probably overthinking the analogy, all right, so Paul moves to his point, here's his point, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever, Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. So Paul doesn't tell us exactly how it's going to look, how it's going to happen. He's not exactly sure, but he gives us four truths. The first one is the distinction between our old body and new body. Number one, it's planted in the ground, it's dead. And it's raised to life forever. Secondly, it's buried in brokenness. And it comes out in glory. It's buried in weakness. It comes out in strength. And finally, our old bodies are natural or physical bodies. And our new bodies are raised as spiritual bodies. So our natural bodies die because they're natural. 
Everything in the natural dies because of sin. This world in which we live, everything eventually dies or stops. Any living thing eventually dies because of sin. And what Paul is saying, that's not our future. Our future after that is that we will live as eternal beings. We will have, be, we will have glorified spiritual bodies. So over the years, this is an interesting thing. It's probably not the most important people, thing people have ever asked me. But people have said to me, Chris, when we go to heaven, do you think, how old do you think we're going to be? Like, am I going to be young? Am I going to be in my 20s? Am I going to be in my 50s? How old am I going to be? Then people have said, do you think I'll be taller in heaven than I am here? You know, people have asked me all these kind of questions, and Paul couldn't answer the question, so I certainly can't answer the question, but this is one of the things I want to share with you. It's a, it's a funny story. It's actually a comic I saw in a sports magazine one time about what's going to be different in heaven and here. So picture you're in heaven and there's a basketball court. And on the basketball court, there's this little short guy with a basketball in his hand. And there's an angel standing next to the little guy. And the little guy turns to the angel and says, I can dunk up here. And the angel turns back and matter-of-factly says, everybody can dunk up here. (laughs) You see, we're not going to be disappointed. Whatever our bodies are like, we're going to be happy. So Paul now tells us, what Jesus had to do with all this. I mean, he's been trying to explain things with analogy and everything. He says, let's get back to the main point. Let's get back to Jesus. Because Jesus, who he calls the last Adam, as contrasted with the first Adam, the Adam that God created when he created Adam and Eve, he says this, the scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. Actually, it says a life-bearing soul. And then it says, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. If anybody ever said amen, that would be the time. Okay, so the key difference between the first Adam and us who follow in his line Remember, we're not like him because of something. We have the opportunity to be transformed into spiritual men and women while we're still alive. This is one of those times when the how escapes us. Paul didn't try to explain it, but it happens. He uses analogies about how all this stuff happens, but what we know is for sure it happens. We one day are going to leave these bodies behind, and we're getting new ones. Paul added something more uh, about the transformation that has to happen. He said this, what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. The reason, again, is because physical bodies can't inherit spiritual reality. It's the same thing that Jesus said when he was talking to Nicodemus. He said we must be born of water physically and the spirit. We must be born again. If we're going to be born again, it's going to take something that we can't do. It takes something that Jesus does in our lives. So Paul doesn't stop there after telling us about this. He writes something else that has been the source of great conversation and even division in the church. He says, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life for, live forever. 
And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal mortal bodies. So Paul's underscoring something. He's underscoring that we are going to have a new body, but he says something that had never been said before. He says this, not everyone will die. Not everyone will die. And those who have, die, have died will rise first when the trumpet sounds. Now, why has this caused controversy in the church of Jesus Christ down through the centuries? Because as soon as you look at that passage in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, and you compare it with the book of Revelation, you have to start thinking, wait a minute, the dead will rise Wait, you mean when you die, you don't go to heaven? There are some people who say, no, you, you go into what's called soul sleep until you know, Jesus comes back and then those who are alive are going to go up to heaven. And there are other people who say, wait a minute, the trumpet, when, does it, when, does it, when do they blow that trumpet? Is it when Jesus comes back? Is it a thousand years after he comes back? Is it in the middle of the tribulation? Is it before? Is it after? And so people argue and churches split over the answer to these questions. Here's what you need to know. If you're new here, you don't know this about me. About 30 years ago, I decided I'm not going to be on the planning committee for Jesus' return. I'm going to be on the welcoming committee. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that I'm not concerned about Jesus' return. I am absolutely concerned about it because I know he's coming back. But when he's coming back, I only know three things. One, Jesus said, I don't know when I'm coming back. Nobody else knows when I'm coming back except God the Father. That's the first thing he said. Nobody knows. So all the study of all these passages are not going to tell us what's going to happen when, when he's coming back. He's coming back when the Father says. That's when he's coming back. Two, he says, be ready. Be ready. For the past 30 years, that's what I've been devoting my adult life to, is getting people ready. People who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus, Savior and Lord, so they're ready when Jesus comes back, so the physical bodies that we have will be transformed, because all of us are going to be transformed into some kind of body, but one body's going to go to heaven and one body's not. I'm not going to take that away from Pastor Alex, that he's going to talk about that next week. All right, but right now, the third thing I said, number one, Jesus doesn't know, number two, be ready. Number three, he is coming back. <laughs> could be today. Could be tomorrow. Could be next week. We don't know when. So Jesus told us to be ready. So Paul adds something else. He says, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Now, Sting is not a very strong word, I don't think. Like, I got stung with a bee, and it hurts. But when somebody dies that we love, it's way more than sting. Next week, next Sunday, will be the 32nd year since my mother died. On that day, she died 32 years ago. I still miss my mother. I still think about her every single day. But you know what? I know where she is. I didn't lose my mother. She died to this life, and she got the new life that we're all talking about this morning. And so when I think about my mother, I think about, who wonder what she looks like now. And you know what? Some people say, we're not going to recognize our moms or whatever whenever we go to heaven. I think we are, but I don't know if we are, but I know what, I'm going to look for her. When I get there, I have eternity to find her, so why not, right? So I think I'm going to find her. If she doesn't come and find me, which I think she will, but if she doesn't, I'm going to go find her. Okay, that's a tangent. Let's leave that alone. So... The point is, there's a sting attached with sin, and, and it's death. 
And that's more than a sting for all of us who are stuck here right now. But just remember, we're only stuck here for right now. We're not stuck here for very long in the grand scheme of things. And Paul says this, For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for that truth. Every single day, whenever the worst day of your life, remember this truth. There's a better day coming. And it might be sooner than we think. It is sooner than we think for a lot of people. There's a lot of people who woke up dead today. And they weren't planning on it. That's a sad thing. If you wake up dead tomorrow, I, I, if, if you listen to me today, you're already planning on it. You know you won't wake up dead. Your physical body will be dead, but you'll be alive. And you'll be in Jesus' presence forever. So Paul reminds us at the very end. I love this part about Paul because he always gets to this. All of that stuff we can talk about, and we ought to, and all of that stuff we need to know about. But Paul says, there's a bottom line to this. There's an action that comes out of this. Knowing all this stuff is exciting, but here's what the action point is. Paul says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. We are going to see Jesus someday. We are going to stand in front of him, but right now we're not. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to stand strong and immovable. In this dark world, we're supposed to stand like lights shining in the darkness. That's what he said we are. We're supposed to add flavor and zest. And you know what he said? Nothing we do, not the littlest thing, is ever unimportant. Every little, I put in the positive, every little thing we ever do is vital. We don't know when we walk past somebody and a smile might be all they need to turn their day around from saying, I'm done with this, to saying, I can go on one more step. We don't know what it is that we might think, say, or do today that will make an eternal difference. Or even if it doesn't, maybe it just makes a little bit of a day better for somebody. Paul says that's why we're here. Until we go see Jesus, that's why we're here. So this is the take-home point for today, or the next step, I'm sorry, the next step of the action point out of that verse. I will live as if every thought, word, and action matters because it does. I will live as if every Thought, word, and action matters because it does. When we leave this place today, what we think, what we say, what we do, because we belong to Jesus Christ, matters eternally. What we think, say, and do might matter eternally for somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ because we are that light that draws them to Jesus. And they get to experience eventually the same thing that every believer in Jesus Christ is going to experience, that life that is truly life. So, you know, we are not going to gain immortality by not dying. We already have immortality in Jesus Christ. But what we might get to do is help somebody who doesn't know the immortality they have in Jesus Christ to know him personally. That is a good reason to be alive today. Amen? So, I love the Apostle Paul's words here because he puts in a context that we can understand that knowing Jesus matters for today, for tomorrow, and forever. If Jesus Christ is Lord in your life, Savior in your life, which means rescuer from sin and death, that means that tomorrow and the next day and the next day matter until the day when we go see Jesus. But what if he isn't? Maybe you're here today. Maybe you have never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life. 
Maybe you've never even thought about it till today. But trust me, it is so important that we make that commitment right now because we never know either when Jesus is coming back or when we might go see him. So we're going to take a moment. I'm going to let you think about this. Um, in New Life, we say it's not easy to follow Jesus, but simple to transfer ownership. It's as simple as ABC. A is admit that we're sinners. B is believe that Jesus is Lord, Savior, Master, all those things. And that he came to live and die and rise again and return to, to glory and he's coming again for us. And C, to confess him as our Lord and Savior and then to live and commit to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Chris talked about us receiving new bodies. And the only way that we receive those new bodies is in heaven. And the only way that we can get to heaven is through Jesus. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's the day. You can pray along with me right now or you can say your own prayer, but you just need to admit that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life. Dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior and I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose on the third day. And I confess that you, Jesus, are the Lord and Savior of my life. And I commit to following you today and every day of my life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that you, you paid the penalty for my sins and that because of you, one day I will receive a new body in heaven. And I just love you, Lord, and I thank you, and I praise you. In Jesus' name.